Hey everybody, welcome to Artist Soapbox. Artist Soapbox is a podcast featuring triangle area artists talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am your host, Tamara Kassane. In this episode, I'm speaking with Yvette Holder, the creator of Sips and Scripts. Sips and Scripts supports, promotes, and produces work written by North Carolina playwrights from novices to veterans through stage readings, private readings, and monthly public readings. You'll hear Yvette describe the offerings of Sips and Scripts, best practices for feedback, writing tips for new playwrights, and she'll give us insight into The Waning Hours, an original play by North Carolina playwright Carol Torian that will be produced this fall by Sips and Scripts. Yvette L. Holder is a native of North Carolina and has studied theater at three institutions, North Carolina School of the Arts, Lee Strasberg Institute of Dramatic Arts in New York, and North Carolina Central University, where she received a BA in Dramatic Arts. Yvette is a producer, actor, and a sometimes director. She is the creator of the growing triangle arts event, Sips and Scripts, that supports, promotes, and produces work written by North Carolina playwrights. Yvette always looks to the future as she focuses on that next given moment to open doors for new opportunities. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Yvette. Thank you so much for having this conversation. Hello. Hello, Tamara. I'm doing well. Doing well. I hope you are. I am. So let's start with you and your relationship to North Carolina and to theater here. Sure. Uh, Well, I'm happy to say that I am a native of North Carolina, born and raised here in Wake County. And um, as far as theater, I do have a a BA degree in theater, and it's just been something that has been in my spirit for a very, very long time. I want to say since sixth grade, it has never stopped. That theater spirit has never gone away. So I think this is my calling. Some of us find it very early in our lives, and I understand that some people come to this later, but I think for me at least, Mm -hmm. theater has been something that I have been doing for as long as I remember, and I'm not sure what I would do otherwise. Right, right, exactly. I just can't, theaters, you know, it's one of those things, you know, I don't know. God has given me that, I think. He laid that on me, I guess, you know. So it's it's really important in my life. So let's talk about Sips and Scripts, because you are the creator of this. How would you describe Sips and Scripts? Sips and Scripts is a service platform for North Carolina playwrights, and I do mean just North Carolina playwrights. Yes, I am the creator and producer of Sips and Scripts. I grew Sips and Scripts from the ground up, and all of my blood, sweat, tears, emotions, everything is poured into Sips and Scripts. That's my baby. I, I'm just completely connected and passionate about it. If it happens, it's great, but I'm not in it for the money. I'm not in it for the mm-hmm. fame. I'm in it for the cause of Sips and Scripts. And the service platform uh, to break it down is that uh, Sips and Scripts supports, promotes, and produces the work of North Carolina playwrights. It's a cause to get the North Carolina roots that has created written pieces of art to go to the stage or any kind of performance platform. And also there's opportunities involved as well that I have created that's coming up. So it's it's a, it's a lot. I, I think the first thing I think about is what will benefit the playwrights. What 
what's on their wish list and how can I turn their wish list into opportunities? Why the focus on North Carolina playwrights as opposed to just reading new works from wherever? North Carolina, I don't know, we've been overlooked because I guess we're from the South or whatever, but we don't always have to go looking in California or New York or Atlanta. You know, we're North Carolina. It is it's talent in every state. And I think every state should recognize and celebrate and honor their own talent. Well, this is my state and that's what I want to focus on, what, what our talent is here. I knew where I wanted to go from the beginning. I was working in the very beginning, I was working with North Carolina Playwrights and all over, but I started really putting my attention toward my North Carolina playwrights and just said, you know, I'm just going to find out more what we need around here because we've been lacking for so many years and people leave North Carolina because there's not enough opportunities. So I'm like, well, you know, we need to do something about that. You know, we need to keep our artists here and keep nurturing them and, and helping them, you know, and it just that idea just grew and grew and grew on me to the point that it started getting pulling at my heartstrings. And, you know, this is where I am today. It has grown. The passion has grown for it. You talked about the wish list for playwrights. What's on that wish list? Well, it depends on where the playwright wants to go. I mean, you got playwrights that just, you know, they just want to write plays for fun. And then you got playwrights that want to develop their brand. So for the playwrights that want to do it for fun, and this goes for both types of playwrights, I want to make sure that they can get their plays read and get the feedback. Okay. That's a, that's a huge one on, on both sides. And then you got the playwright that has a brand. Well, I'll have public readings for that, for those particular playwrights that are interested, where the public can provide feedback and as a way or as a direction for them to get it to the stage. If their play is at that level I'll go ahead and produce it, you know, mm-hmm. depending on what's in the schedule for the year, that kind of thing. So how does the submission process work for Sips and Scripts? How do playwrights apply to have either a, a public reading or maybe a closed reading or have a production? I kind of spoil my pr- playwrights. Honestly, I do. Um, I'm sure down the line things will change, but not in a change in a, in a way that they won't appreciate it. But I want them to feel free that they can just come and bring their scripts to be read. As far as submissions, like what we do every month, I just say, come on down, just come on down and bring your script. And then I'll try to fit it in. I have two hours uh, for the monthly Sips and Scripts because it's different types of ways that I get their plays read, different um, types of um, events. But like for the monthly Sips and Scripts, I I just tell them all, I said, just come on down. And then I have two hours to fit everybody in. You know, and it has been working for the last two and a half years, but we're growing now and we are kind of going over the two hours. So now I have to go with five or six a night for the guaranteed ones. But then I kind of look at the time and kind of say, okay, I can fit you in this. I I try to really work with them and try to, because that's what they really want, you know, and that's why I say I spoil them. But now that's for the monthly Sips and Scripts. And then when it comes down to like, the private readings and the public readings, they tell me in advance. And I have a talk with them and I say, okay, I have a public reading and a private reading. I tell them, you know, if you want a private reading, it's an intimate space. Um, We have just no more than 10 people that I invite. And those 10 people are either critics or uh, producers, directors, other actors, you know, things like that. Just specific people that can give them some really great solid feedback. So, and that's, 
very private. And then I also, I warned them about the public reading and I'd let them know that this is the public and they'll, they'll say what's on their minds. But of course, I don't allow any hecklers there either. So I let them know that it's, it's, you're exposed. We have this kind of talk, whatever direction they want to go ahead of time. So they'll know what to expect. And most of the time people say they want public, but I really have to remind them that it could go really, really bad or really, really well. But that's just a one-on-one conversation that you know we, we talk about way before it happens and we plan for it and everything. And, it, and it's been working out very well. So it sounds like for the monthly meetings, people bring excerpts of what they're working on and you just kind of fit those in. Exactly. Uh, Okay. And then the public readings and the private readings are in addition to that for people who want to take it a little bit further and maybe have a longer piece read and kind of dig in a little bit more to the feedback. Is that right? Monthlies, yes. It's a 10-minute reading for monthlies. And that's how I get to fit those in. And then exactly, um, either public or private reading, either one that they choose, it's a full-length reading of it. That's correct. During these public readings, and I guess the private readings too, how does the feedback process work? Do they have a reading and then it's open to audience feedback or do the playwrights have questions that they'd like to have answered? How does that work? Correct. It's a system the way that I do it. After the reading is over, then I open it up to the audience and I ask them, I say, okay, so give me one word, a positive word that will describe the reading that you just heard. And then I'll just, you know, call on anybody in the audience. And then that's how you kind of warm them up. After that, I said, okay, guys, you can take the floor now. Who would like to provide their feedback at this time? And then I'll just call on the raised hands, that kind of thing. And one thing that you have to do whenever you are, um, you can't just allow the audience to just kind of have the floor on their own. You have to kind of, like you have to conduct it in a way, you know, because what sometimes will happen is that, They'll talk about how they want to direct the play. And that's Mm. what we're there for. We're wanting you to give the feedback so that the playwright can take their notes and to help drive the play in the direction they want to go. So we have to kind of keep them on track with that because it could could go that way very, very easily. Now, with the private reading, I don't have to do that as much because they know what to do. And it's just straightforward there. And the monthly feedback, the following, they come so much that they know the questions I'm going to ask. So they're kind of like trained to know what kind of feedback to give, that kind of thing. Are there particular notes that you see being especially helpful for playwrights at any point? Yeah. Well, first, let me just say the questioning part, the feedback part, after everybody in the audience um, has heard or has provided their feedback, then it's time for the playwright to ask their questions. And during the time that the playwright is listening to the audience's feedback. They're taking their notes and they're not saying anything. And that's what the playwright and I, we talk about beforehand. I let them know that is your precious time to get all the feedback that you need. So you might want to just let them speak. And then after they're done, you can provide, you can ask your questions because sometimes um, playwrights, they, they want to talk about the play during the time that it's time for the audience to give their feedback and they're cutting into the time that they need to hear that feedback to take their notes. I wanted to mention that. Sometimes it depends on what's, you know, what is going on. The playwright wants to defend the, the play. And I understand that completely. 
Um, and it's so hard sometimes for the playwright to sit and listen. I understand that because they, that's their that's their baby, you know? And it's like, especially if it gets attacked, it's hard to sit there and be quiet. So I try to talk them through that and ahead of time and to let them know that that could happen and just to be patient and just hear everybody out. And that way they can get all the information they need in their notes. You mentioned that it is less helpful for audience members to give feedback that is associated with how they would direct the show. And I totally agree with that. But I'm wondering if there are notes that you think playwrights find particularly helpful or if you've seen a pattern there. Structure is is one of the main ones right there. Structure is a huge one. When when people want to talk about the structure and clearing up any confusion in the play, what didn't work and why, character development is another one. And overall, did you get the play? Mm-hmm. If so, why? If not, why? Those are like the main things right there. I think it's so wonderful that you're taking care of your playwrights and having conversations with them ahead of time about how it's going to go and how to, and walking them through how the feedback process is going to look. Because I know as a playwright myself, it feels intensely vulnerable to have your work read. And there is that impulse to try to clarify and explain and defend. And I think that actually gets in the way of being able to take in the feedback or even record the feedback. So do you have other things that you talk to your playwrights about related to that vulnerability piece? It's funny that she brought vulnerable up because I have t-shirts for sale right now as a fundraiser that says, be vulnerable to the pen. (laughs) And that right there is um, that statement came out of my mouth one day when I was pep talking one of the playwrights about their brand. I was telling them to just like actors, you know, just be free and let go. And whatever you are resisting, put it on paper, you know, just go with it. Whatever you're holding on to, that's what you need to put on paper. You can always go back and take out the excess, but be vulnerable to your work. People love that. People connect better with it. They want things that make sense, but you don't have to Everything doesn't have to be have to make sense, you know, but they want to know that you are a human being behind that pen. You know what I mean? They want they want to relate to you through your writing, that kind of thing. Don't resist. You have some fans out there that that are or I should say people that are waiting to be your fans. Just speak to them. So you're currently fundraising for the first Sips and Scripts full production, which is Carol Torian's play, The Waning Hours. Mm -hmm. Would you talk about the decision to produce this piece and why Mm -hmm. it's important? Sure, sure. Last September, um, uh, Alzheimer's Month, uh, we decided to have the uh, public stage reading of it. I was going to have it at a theater in the park, but they were still going through the construction. So then I had it at Burning Coal. Had a great turnout. The playwright, Carol Torian, has been working on this piece for years. So she finally decided to get back to it and finish it up. And she told me all about it. And I was like, I love it. I love it. I love it. It's for all families. Um, it's an Africa, it's an all African-American cast that will be cast for this. But I just want to make sure everybody knows that it's for all families. It can go, it can be cast, you know, any any racial group. It does not matter. It talks about the fictional character, Lorna Bray Tucker. We're going to be taken through her journey, 
her day to day through her life living with Alzheimer's. Um, she comes out of a 45 year marriage, um, abusive marriage, and she has to make a life adjustments um, as she's dealing with this disease. We go back into her long-term memory, back when she was an artist, a singer, and we see those happy days and a little bit of conflict there. And then we're taken back to the present, back and forth, as she thinks, where there's um, family adjusting to her new way of life as being an Alzheimer's victim. And um, it's unfortunate what people have to go through um, having Alzheimer's. It really is. Um, so we're going to talk about that story. And I hope that it touches these families that have to deal with it because it's, it's just a terrible disease to have. My goodness, it is. And uh, so anyway, we talk about that in the story. And um, I'm going to dedicate the show to Alzheimer's families and things like that. And it's going to take place September 18th through the 27th at Pure Life Theater. That's the new theater that just opened, uh, that took over the space of Sonorous Roads, a completely different owner, Miss Deb Royals, and um, her husband, Joe Mizerk. Um, she was gracious enough to allow us to have it there this September, and I'm excited about that. I'd also like to mention um, Tara Hodge is the director for The Waning Hours this September. She was also the director of the, of the public stage reading last September. She has a personal connection to this, to the Alzheimer's, um, to this play. So I'm looking forward to it. And we're raising money for it to pay artists, everybody involved. One of the ways that I'm raising money is through the uh, T-shirts. Um, Be vulnerable to the pen, Sips and Scripts, supporting North Carolina playwrights. Would need your donations and would love your support. So this question goes back a little bit, but I wanted to follow up on something that we talked about earlier, and that is... For playwrights who are interested in having their work read out loud, mm -hmm. at what point do you think that they're ready for a public reading versus being ready for a private reading? Or is that a decision that they make? Yeah, I do allow them to make that decision. The only thing that I do is kind of stand beside them and suggest, depending on what level their play is, if I feel that their play is not quite ready for the public, I will let them know, would you like to try private first? Because I know how they could feel after the public is honest. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just God, I hate to say this, but it can be depressing. I don't like when a playwright feels defeated after a public reading. It's, it's just terrible. You want the, them to come out of the other side of the reading feeling inspired yes. to do more work on the piece, right? Y yes, 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 yes. One playwright, you know, he didn't give up on it. He just put it away for a few months and he got back to it. And I was glad to hear that when he texted me back and said he's back working on the play. And I was, oh, thank God. Because that particular playwright that reading didn't go so well. And I, all I did was encourage, 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 and just stay positive, 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 because look, but look at it though, all the great playwrights, they went through the same thing. Right. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't just get, Oh, your play is wonderful. And, and it's going to be pretty. No, they had to go through the grueling process. That's what happens. You know, it makes you a stronger playwright. It, it was not easy for for these people. You know, I just, want to be easy on them by saying, let's do private first. And then today that is their decision. But I, I strongly, strongly, strongly suggest if, if I don't feel that it's ready for public. 
So you've mentioned a couple of things, and I know that you have now heard a lot of new play readings. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the some of the things that I've heard you say are have your work ready to be heard in a public situation, be vulnerable and take some risks by sharing your own voice, kind of put yourself out there as a playwright, mm-hmm. attend to structure and character development. Mm-hmm. Are there other things that you can think of that would be helpful for emerging playwrights to know as they're putting together their new work? Take it bit by bit. Don't feel at first, oh, I got to write a play. Go scene by scene, do scene scene by scene and get to a good stopping point where you're like, okay, I don't want to write anymore because I don't, you know, I I just want to stop right here. And then come and get some feedback. Rewriting and workshopping, rewriting and workshopping are like, that's the recipe for for writing and for building, for, for building your, for growing and, and improving your skills. You know, don't have in your mind in the very beginning that you are trying to write a play, just write scene by scene. That way you won't over, overwhelm yourself. Lots of people say, well, I thought about writing and I'm going, you do it. Start off with a monologue, turn that monologue into a scene, you know, start off, you know, really small and build, 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 build and get feedback. You know, and go back and work on it and get more feedback. That's what that's what Sips and Scripts Monthly is about. And then when you're ready for your full length, come on, let's talk about it. I would say go private first, depending, you know, if, if it's on that level, and then and then go from there. Just don't overwhelm yourself in the beginning because everybody is writing a play. And also when you go see a play, it depends on the person, you know, when you see a play and you're like, oh, I want, I want, I want my play to be like that. I mean, yeah, it, it will definitely get that get to that point. But don't rush it. Whatever you do, don't rush because it will definitely disturb your creativity. Just take your time and breathe. I'm serious. Isn't that just cute words? Take your time and breathe and build to that. It will get there. It will definitely get there. But just don't overwhelm yourself. That would be the worst thing to do. One step at a time. Exactly. Write a 10-minute play. There you go. Write a 10-minute play. Yvette, is there anything that we haven't covered or anything else that you would like to mention before we close? I just want everybody to try writing. It is so good for the soul. Um, It really is. And don't feel that you have to have a brand starting out. You you can, if you want, I mean, if you, if you, that's what, that's what your goal is, then go for it. But you don't have to have a brand to be a playwright, do it for fun. And if you like it more and more and more, and you see yourself wanting to want more opportunities and get to a higher level, then start creating your brand, but just it's good for the soul. And the things that you don't want to tell people uh, or afraid to express to people, put it in, put it in writing. You can take out the excess later, but just, just don't, it's just like journaling, but it's stuff you're putting into the story. You get to make up stuff. You're God. The paper, the story is your, is uh, you're the God of that story. You can create however you want to create people and stories and structure, all that stuff. You're in total control. Try it and don't be intimidated. Just have fun with it and see what comes out of it. See what magic comes out of it. Thank you so much for this conversation and for supporting North Carolina playwrights. I really appreciate it. We'll put lots of links in the show notes for everything related to Sips and Scripts and also information about waning hours that will be performing in September of this year. Absolutely. Thank you, Tamara. 